Hello, and thank you for listening to this episode of our Unsolved Podcast series. I'm David Lydon. This month, we're taking a look at the issue of missing and murdered indigenous women. Native American women are killed and go missing at 10 times the national average, but only 2% of these cases receive federal attention, and less than 5% get some kind of national media attention. Now tribes are working to change those numbers. The Grand Traverse Band of Ottawa and Chippewa Indians held Red Shirt Day back in May. That's where I caught up with Victoria Alfonseca, the communications coordinator for the tribe, to talk about the significance of the day. May 5th has become a pretty prominent day yeah. for Native American culture across the United States recently. What's happening today? And just describe what May 5th has come to mean and represent. So May 5th represents um, a gathering day for the celebration and bringing awareness to missing, murdered um, indigenous people uh, events. So these events are across across the United States and throughout Indian country. And this event here that we're having today is a, um, a point of reference for resources, for guidance, say if your family member has gone missing or has been murdered, how do you navigate that process? How do we prevent those things? And also a sense of healing for our community, for those ones have been lost and um, missed or missing or murdered. I think it's important for people to remember too, um, indigenous people have gone missing in tremendous numbers across the country. This is not a small percentage of the, the Native American population or the U.S. population when you talk about it. This has been a big problem. Yeah, um, our numbers far precede the national average. So it's an unprecedented amount of people that have been gone missing, even in this own particular community that have been missing or have been murdered. So um, it's well be above the national average and Native Americans in general are targeted at these types of crimes. So we're here today to try to prevent them and give resources to our community. In your understanding of that issue, why do you think that is? Why do you think the Native American community has been targeted like that and they are more likely to go missing or be murdered? Um, well, I think uh, there are some disadvantages in this community and we may not have um, the publicity that other people, non-native people have to get the word out to say, oh, they're missing or this is what happened. How do we um, change some policies between um, tribal entities and tribal operations and how can they connect with uh, state and federal laws so we can kind of bring those things together because there is a disconnect there as far as legality. And correct me if I'm wrong, but this is not a new problem. This hasn't been something that's been happening for the past five years, for the past 10 years. This has been a long time problem. It's for been the decades. Yes, it's been decades since um, these issues have even started and it's not stopping or slowing down. So we need to stop and slow it down and prevent these things from continuing to happen. How has that affected the Native American communities, both here in, the here in Northern Michigan and across the United States to you know, have to face this issue? I, I think it's, it's sad and it hurts and our community is mourning as a whole. 
So each one of us have known somebody that has been affected by this, have either been um, missing or murdered. So it's something that's that fire that's within us that burns. It's just we're yearning for that that healing and something to change. So it's it's monumental here in this community. In the past few years, we've really seen this issue of missing and murdered indigenous just come to the forefront. People are talking about it more than they have ever been. Why do you think that is? What's been the driving force behind that? I think um, the people have had enough and it's not an easy subject to talk about. It's not an easy subject to say, hey, my best friend was murdered or my um, cousin is missing still. Um, it's not an easy topic to talk about and um, I think we're at a point in our turning point in our um, in our lives to say okay this is enough what we've been doing hasn't been enough and what can we do now and if we can vocalize how we're feeling and this issue that we're facing this can make a difference so what comes after today what steps do you hope to take locally and also what steps do you think need to happen on a national level yeah i think um so locally we're going to be putting out resources on our website um, it's going to be at the www.gtbindians.org. Um, <laughs> um, there will be some resources there for community members on how to prevent these things in your own cities or um, communities, and then how to navigate the process dealing with um, law enforcement and what you, they would need from you, um, say if your family member has gone missing uh, or have been murdered. I think one of the things that we need to do is create those connections both um, tribal state and federally and um, make those connections so we can see where those gaps are and where are we missing the mark on things so we can fill in those gaps so we can prevent those things from happening both locally state and nationally do you think maybe that's been a driving force behind the numbers of missing and murdered indigenous is just a breakdown between, you know, maybe tribal governments and local governments or even tribal communities and, you know, the local sheriff's office or, you know, even a broader law enforcement community? There's been a little bit of a gap. Yeah, there. there's there's definitely a, um, a, a gap in communication there. And I think that's really where all of this needs to begin is creating those communication lines, open communication lines, so we can communicate as a tribe, but as a state and as a nation. Sometimes these cases maybe have gotten shoved to the back of the file cabinet for, you know, for simply being yeah. an indigenous person. Is yeah. that possibly been the case? Yeah, here? definitely. I think some of those uh, cases have been um, kind of pushed on the back burner or not taken precedence. Um, because maybe those things are hard to speak about and uh, those families aren't being vocal enough or um, maybe because we're just Native American and that's um, a hard pill to swallow when you have to say that out loud um, that maybe my daughter would go missing and somebody else's daughter would go missing but they wouldn't get the same exposure or same um, same guidance or anything like that so they can get the 
a, a great outcome of them coming home. Because unfortunately there is a history of a stigma against Native American communities across the country. Yeah, and we need to break that stigma and that's where we continue to speak our, speak our words in a good way and make a difference both in our own community but across communities around the world. We've got a lot of red shirts, even some red, uh, red pants I see across M22 here in uh, Sutton's Bay today. What does that red shirt represent and what message do you want that to convey? to people that are driving along M22 today. So when you see red, it's uh, it's out there, right? It's um, a message of like that blood that we shed for our people, that heart that everybody, we all have blood in our veins and we are um, showing that like these murdered women and men or missing, they share that same blood as us. and. For us to just demonstrate like the clothes that they may be wearing and um, to just kind of bring awareness of like, hey, this is an issue and this is this could be one of your family members too. Getting people talking and starting that conversation is the first step in ending a centuries old problem. Yeah, exactly. And that was Victoria Alfonseca, the communications coordinator for the Grand Traverse Band of Ottawa and Chippewa Indians. We also spoke with the family of Karen Petoskey. She was killed in Grand Rapids back in August of 1999, and her murder remains unsolved. Her brother Gregory and niece Badashka still remember the day Karen was found. Tell me about Karen. What do you? What was she like? What do you remember about her? I'm, I'm the youngest of 16 kids. She was ahead of me. She was murdered in 1999 in Grand Rapids, Michigan, still unsolved. And she has a large family and community that still would like to get it solved. And that's why we're here today for all the Native people that were missing or murdered. And she has a son, four grandchildren, and a niece who's right next to you. And a niece, several here, nephews, nieces, and cousins. Yeah. And we we miss her. What what day did it happen? In 1999. In August, I can't remember the exact date. But it was August 1999. Yes. When it happened. And then my mother passed away a year later, as a direct cause of that. So we would like to bring the murderer under justice. Happened in Grand Rapids, Michigan, and they had one suspect. Me and her father and my cousin went to Grand Rapids, and there is people out there that know this person, that person, and, and what happened to her. And hopefully now that we could get some answers. What do you remember about your sister? What was she like? What are some memories that you have? Uh, she was a roughneck, liked to dance, sing. She loved her kids and family. And she was always here on the holidays. And she, I mean, she was a good person, funny, liked to sing, dance. And she loved her community, especially her kids, her nephews and nieces. She always had gifts for her. Her friends, uh, Leanne, Nisley, and Port Huron, her kids were like her kids too. 
she was like her sister and my heart goes out to her and like I said all the people across the United States that lost someone murdered or missing you know and, and we like to bring them home living or passed away you know so their families could have what word am I looking for some closure closure both of you were kind of telling me some things you remember from August of 1999. Just tell me about, you know, what you remember about, you know, when, when, when she well, was killed. Well, the day she was killed, my cousin come over and told my mother, and uh, right away her father, Walker Stonefish, my cousin Freddie Rayfield went to Grand Rapids to go bring her back and bring her home traditionally, which she was buried traditionally. She was sent off in a good way. Yeah, I know she was, but like right now, it's brought, it's brought up some uh, old, old feelings. Mm -hmm. it, it's, it's hard for the Native American community to talk about this, isn't it? Yes, it is. Why do you think that is? Because you know, your sister is part of, I don't want to say a problem, but part of, you know, this issue that has plagued Native American communities across the country. Um, yeah, well, it's not just your family, it's Natives all over. You feel for all their families. She dances for those, for those people. It's a hard subject to talk about because there isn't any coverage in the media. Mm -hmm. and. It's hard for our communities to talk about because we don't really know how to navigate the justice system sometimes and we don't know how to go about getting the answers and we don't really know what to do. We just want justice and we want to find our relatives that are missing but we don't really know how to do that. So what we can do right now is just bring awareness to the issue and hope outsiders can come in and help us find these answers for our families that have someone that has gotten murdered and they don't have justice yet or someone that has gone missing and we don't know where they are we want to find them and so we we are trying to bring awareness so we can get help with trying to solve all these mysteries the hope now for native american communities is for more events like red shirt day and for cases of their loved ones to finally be solved this is a problem that both of you believe but also know has to stop, we can't re keep repeating this cycle. I just wanna add, I, I was two years old when uh, this devastation ha happened in my family. And I do remember all the crying and I remember, you know, I remember parts. I remember going to Grand Rapids and putting signs up around the city, like, have you seen this person? Do you know anything about what happened to her? And I still feel the hurt from my family especially on days like this when we're gathered to remember our loved ones that have gone missing or are murdered. And I, I don't really remember the day that it happened, but I remember the pain and I still feel that from my, my mother, my uncle, my, all my aunts and uncles, and you know, I, my grandmother that has since passed, but. It hurts in a lot of different ways. Like I lost my sister, my mother, and made me drink a lot so there's other issues yeah it's, it's one more layer of that intergenerational trauma that native american communities have faced yeah 
I just want people to know that this issue is real and it really hurts our young people. It's still relevant. And even if something happened a long time ago, we still feel that trauma and we still feel those emotions. And we just want to bring awareness and raise our voices up. And it takes all of us to be here together. And this is our first time um, doing this in our community, but I hope it keeps going on because just there's a lot of families here that have had someone murdered or gone missing. And I think for all of us, we kind of share a similar pain and it's good for us to kind of be here together. And it's kind of awkward, but I think it's because we're not talking about this enough. And it's really awkward and uncomfortable for a lot of us because there's still families here that have someone out there. We don't know where they are. We don't know what happened to them. And um, it's, it's important for the youth and and us because if they are going to carry on this and unsolve a lot of deaths and missing people. And that's my sister Karen, her son. He's got a lot of hurt inside. But this will help, you know, more, more of these gatherings like this, it'll, and it'll soothe your soul. It's yeah. helping me already. <laughs> yeah, to have the drums and the, the sacred fire, um, to go back to our traditional ways, it, it has healing components. And um, just to be here together to, you know, like, I just want my uncle to know I'm here and my mom, she's at a meeting right now, so she can't be here, but she told my partner Desmond to sing for my aunt and sing for our family. and so. That singing and the drumming really does have healing powers and our, our sacred uh, fires have healing powers. So we hope this will help start conversations with our community members and help bring healing to their hearts because there's a lot of pain here. Homicide is the third leading cause of death among Native American women between the ages of 1 and 24, and the fifth leading cause of death for Native American women between the ages of 25 and 34. It's statistics like those that have Native American communities determined to shine a spotlight on stories like Karen's and turn those numbers around. Thank you for listening to this episode of Unsolved, and special thanks to Joe Busick for his help in producing this podcast. Be sure to join us next month as we look at another unsolved mystery from northern Michigan. For 9 in 10 News, I'm David Lydon.